the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Those who are spiritual, Paul says, will do everything in their power to help a Christian who's struggling with sin be restored to the Lord. Whatever burdensome weights this struggling believer is carrying, whether it be the burden of feeling guilty, the burden of remorse for what they've done, the burden of of accepting the consequences of their sin, or the burden of just resisting temptation, fall back into this sin. Spiritual believers will be there for them. They'll be there for them, helping them in very practical ways to to carry these very weighty loads because obviously these weights are too heavy for one person to bear alone. So in love, a spiritual believer serves his brother or sister by helping them carry their burdens. The spiritual life is a social life, not a solitary life. We do need quiet times of scripture reading and prayer for our vertical relationship with the Lord, but we mustn't forget the importance of our horizontal relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ where we demonstrate the Christ-like nature that he's cultivating in us. If we are spiritual in a biblical sense, it'll show in how we respond to the needs of other believers. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class of the air taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're just about halfway through our current series of lessons about the practical results of true spirituality. Our text is in Galatians chapter 6. In this passage, Paul points out that we are to bear each other's burdens, but also says that we must carry our own load. This means that we should be handling the routine cares of life, but when something extra heavy comes along and someone needs help, we are to help them. Here's Pastor Steve now to tell us how that looks in real life. Once again, let's open our Bibles to Galatians chapter 6, and I want to read to you once again verses 1 through 10. Paul writes, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. In his commentary on Galatians, Philip Ryken tells the story of one of the most eccentric individuals in the history of the church. His name was Simeon the Stylite, 
And he lived on top of a pole in the desert for 30 years. That's right, you heard me correctly. This man lived in the Syrian desert on top of a pole. Here's how Riken describes this unusual man. He writes, he was the first of the so-called desert fathers. Around the year 423 AD, he constructed a short pillar on the edge of the Syrian desert, climbed to the top, and lived on it for the next six years. Simeon received many visitors to his uh, desert perch. No doubt many of them came to see if he was out of his mind. But the hermit explained that he was simply a Christian who wanted to commune with God in solitude, free from the worldly distractions. Living on top of a pole in the desert was his way of separating himself from sin and consecrating himself to God. Eventually, Simeon decided he wanted to become more spiritual. After all, his pillar was only six feet high. So, with the help of friends, he built a column 60 feet high and three feet in diameter with a crossbar to keep him from falling off in his sleep. There he remained until his death 30 years later. Now, folks, what makes Simeon Stylite's odd behavior so interesting is that it was considered by him and by many in his day to be a great display of spirituality. In fact, there were other men who were so taken up with this man's view of spirituality that they decided to follow Simeon's example and live out their lives perched on a pillar in the desert too. These men became known as stylites, since the Greek word for pillar is style. Now, all of these men believed that, that their behavior of escaping from the world, living as, as hermits and isolating themselves from people were actually marks of genuine spirituality. And apparently, many others agreed with them because Simeon eventually was sainted by the Roman Catholic Church, the Eastern Orthodox Church, and the Coptic Orthodox Church. But though acknowledged to be a spiritual man by these various religious organizations, the Apostle Paul would have begged to differ because he would not have thought Simeon to be spiritual at all. And the reason we know this is because in Galatians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul taught about the marks of true spirituality, and they have absolutely nothing to do with sitting high atop a pillar alone in a desert. See, the opening section of Galatians 6, the verses I've just read to you, in this passage, the Apostle Paul reveals to us the way real spiritual believers behave. He tells us that those who are really spiritual don't seek to escape and isolate themselves from people, but rather they live out their spirituality within a community of people. And they are actively involved in the lives of those in their community by helping them in some very practical and tangible ways. Now, we've been working our way through this passage, and we've been discovering the various ways that Paul says that spiritual Christians serve each other. And what we've learned so far is that spiritual believers in Christ, meaning those who have come to faith in Christ, and they are also under the control of the Holy Spirit, they serve others in two specific ways. First, they serve others by, number one, restoring their fellow Christians who have fallen into sin. They restore their fellow Christians who have fallen into sin. Verse 1, brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Now, Paul says that those who are spiritual are to restore with the spirit of gentleness, not harshness, any brother or sister 
that they discover has fallen into a sin. This involves approaching that individual Christian and urging them to repent of their sin and urging them to confess their sin before God, returning to fellowship with Christ and his people. All that's involved in that. But in doing so, Paul says that the spiritual believer is to be careful that he doesn't let his heart become lifted up with the sin of pride, thinking that that he's morally stronger, morally tougher and better than his brother or sister in Christ who has succumbed to this temptation. And so Paul warns us, be careful. Now, he moves on to give a second way, and it's related to this this first way of, of the way spiritual believers behave, but it's a little distinct. The second way that Paul says spiritual believers serve others is by bearing one another's burdens. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Those who are spiritual, Paul says, will do everything in their power to help a Christian who's struggling with sin be restored to the Lord. Whatever burdensome weights this struggling believer is carrying, whether it be the burden of feeling guilty, the burden of remorse for what they've done, the burden of, of accepting the consequences of their sin, or the burden of just resisting temptation to fall back into the sin. Spiritual believers will be there for them. They'll be there for them, helping them in very practical ways to to carry these very weighty loads, because obviously these weights are too heavy for one person to bear alone. So in love, a spiritual believer serves his brother or sister by helping them carry their burdens. And if he won't do this, if he refuses to do this, then it's obvious that he has a problem with pride and arrogance, and he thinks that he's better than he really is. And therefore, because of that, he refuses to lower himself and do such a demeaning thing as helping other believers carry their burdens. That's why Paul says in verse 3, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Now, as we saw last week, the reason this person thinks he's better than his fallen brother or sister is because he is comparing himself to him or to her. And since he hasn't fallen into the sin that they have, then he concludes that he is morally superior to his fallen brethren. Paul's cure to this and the cure to pride and this deceptive thinking is to stop comparing yourself to someone who's fallen into sin and start measuring your life by the high standards of Scripture. Notice verse 4. But each one must examine his own work and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. So he says that if you If you examine your life by the word of God and there you see anything positive in your life in terms of obedience or transformed character, you are to give credit to God, not take it yourself. You are to boast in him because what you've observed is only only the evidence of the fact that God has been working in your life and transforming you. It has absolutely nothing to do with any intrinsic righteousness you have since you have none. None of us do. Those who have been saved understand they are wretched sinners, saved and transformed only by God's amazing grace in Christ. And so instead of measuring ourselves by the standards of others, we are to recognize that we will someday stand and stand alone before Jesus Christ, and we will give an account of how we lived. And that's why Paul makes the next statement in verse 5, for each one will bear his own load. The load that Paul is referring to here is our own load of personal responsibilities before God. Each of us is expected, he's saying, to pull our own weight. Nobody can help us to obey. Now, they can encourage us, but obedience is what we do. 
It's what we live out, how we live out our lives before the Lord in our daily existence. And we have to decide to obey him. We carry this load ourselves. Now, this is where we left off last week. And so today we want to continue our study of what true spirituality looks like by examining a third way that Paul says spiritual believers serve others. Number one, they restore those who have fallen into sin. Number two, they bear one another's burdens. And now we learn that spiritual believers use their money to help others. They use their money or their material goods to help others. Verse 6, the one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Now, Paul says that those who are instructed in the word, meaning members of a local church, are to share all good things, meaning money and material blessings, with those who instruct them, meaning their pastors, their teachers. In other words, he's saying that a congregation is to financially take care of the man who teaches them the word of God. Now, frankly, this is an awkward thing, isn't it? This is an awkward verse and an awkward subject for me to teach on because it just sounds rather self-serving for me to tell you that you should be paying your pastor and other pastoral staff members fairly and even generously. So let me, at this point, give a disclaimer. I want you to know that I, what I'm about to say concerning a church's responsibility to care for their pastors, I am not saying with the motivation of gaining anything from you, getting a raise in salary, or getting anything from anyone. This church does take care of my needs, and I am very content with what I have. And those of you who have sat under my teaching ministry for any length of time know that I hardly ever speak about money unless it shows up in the text of Scripture that we're studying. And I speak even less about money issues that pertain to paying a pastor unless it shows up in the text of Scripture that we are studying. Well, today is one of those days it has shown up. And so I'm going to teach what Scripture says about paying a pastor with the hope that you'll understand that my only motive is to be true to the Word of God, not to gain anything personally from anyone. This is one of those times that I could wish that I was a topical, not verse-by-verse Bible teacher. I would just skip this, this part. Uh, but I am committed to teaching the whole counsel of God, and this is part of it. And this is going to be very relevant. This is an important passage in, in Scripture. This will be helpful for all of us because many Christians have no clue about this. And yet, as you'll see today, it's in the Word of God, but they have no clue about this. They have no clue about what they should do in terms of taking care of their pastor. Also, there are others in churches, whether it be this church or other churches too, who are on church boards, decision-making boards, and you need to know decision-making in terms of a pastor's salary and package, and you need to know what the Scriptures say about paying a pastor. The Bible is not silent on this, and as we'll see today. And so we want to look at this verse and this passage And seek to understand three things about it. Number one, we want to understand what Paul is actually teaching us when he says that a church should be paying its pastor. What does he mean by what he says? Secondly, we want to understand why Paul is writing about this issue here in Galatians 6 and how it fits into the flow of a passage dealing with the marks of spirituality. Why does he bring this up at this point? Remember, Scripture is not thrown together randomly. There is a context, there is a progression of thought that builds upon the last thought. So how does this fit in with what Paul has been teaching about spirituality? Number three, we want to know how Paul's teaching about paying a pastor applies to us 
How, how does it pertain to us? How is it relevant for us? So, first of all, let's consider what Paul is actually teaching here about paying a pastor. Well, in a nutshell, the apostle is saying that spiritual Christians are concerned with and sensitive to the needs of their pastor. And so they make sure that his material needs are taken care of. In other words, those who receive the spiritual riches of the word from their teachers are responsible to share their material riches with their teachers. Now, that's what Paul is saying. And it is important for us to note how Paul describes a pastor in this verse. He refers to him as the one who teaches. Now, that's significant because the particular Greek word that he uses for teaching is is the word from which we get our English word catechism. It's actually katecheo. We get our word catechism from this. Catechism has to do with oral instruction in biblical truth, verbal oral instruction in biblical truth. So Paul's point is to say that this is a job description of a passage. From Paul, Paul's view of a pastor is that he verbally, orally, teaches his people the word of God. That's what a pastor does. He is a teacher of the scriptures. He is not a religious salesman who tries to promote his ministry and increase church attendance. Nor is he a business administrator trying to run the church in a way that will increase funds. Nor is he an entertainer trying to attract visitors by amusing them with his interesting stories on Sunday mornings. Paul says that a pastor is a teacher of the Word of God. That is the biblical job description of a pastor. He instructs his local congregation in the precepts of Scripture. And it is important for all of us to understand then what this means because what it entails is this. And what it, what it involves is that the work of teaching the church and doing it right involves hours of study and sermon preparation and, and time put into this. And that's even before doing the actual work of getting up and teaching, which is exhausting in and of itself. As my dear friend Jack Jenkins says, I've heard him say this often, that sermons don't just float down from heaven. They take work. It's almost like giving birth to something. You, you work on this. And so Paul is saying that it is the church's responsibility to make sure that their pastor, who puts in hours of work and sermon preparation and teaches them, is sufficiently paid for all of his work. Here's the way one minister explained it. He wrote, this is a full-time job which brings us to what the church has to share with its minister, all good things. This refers to all kinds of goods, but especially the material support that someone needs to survive and thrive. Teaching the Bible is the minister's livelihood, so he should be paid generously for what he does. The reason this kind of sharing is necessary is very simple. As Martin Luther explained, it is impossible for one man that one man should be devoted to household duties day and night for his support, and at the same time, pay attention to the study of the sacred scripture as the teaching ministry requires. Preparing to preach, if it is to be done well, is costly labor. Therefore, a minister must be free to spend his time preparing to teach God's word. It is much easier for him to throw himself into this work when he's not distracted by financial concerns, end of quote. Now, it's interesting that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul said that he made it his policy, his own personal policy, to offer the gospel without any charge, meaning that that Paul chose not to receive any 
money for his own ministry. Instead, he supported himself by doing the work of his trade. He was by trade a tent maker. That's how Paul supported himself. But the reason that the apostle did this was that in the infancy stages of Christianity, when people really didn't understand what this gospel message is, Paul didn't want anyone misunderstanding his ministry, thinking that he was like one of those pagan priests of his day who always charged fees for their services. These men had dollar signs in their eyes. Paul didn't want the gospel to be associated with that. However, though Paul refused to take money for his own ministry, that was not the principle that he laid down for other pastors and teachers of the word. Instead, he taught Christians and local congregations that they were obligated to financially support their pastors. And folks, it is throughout the New Testament. So let me just share with you a few places that address this issue. For example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 11 and 14, here's what the apostle said. If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? So also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. In other words, he's saying ministers sow spiritual things as they, as they teach, spiritual truths as they teach their people, God's word, and they reap material things as their people care for them materially. This is the way that God has ordained that those who preach the gospel are to live by the gospel. This is the way God has ordained it, that if you are full-time in the ministry of the gospel, that is your livelihood, and God's people are to care for you. Another passage of Scripture that is vitally important on this subject is in Luke chapter 10. Jesus is sending his disciples out into the neighboring towns and villages, and he makes it clear he instructs them not to carry a money bag, which means don't carry any money with you. Now, that's, a, that's an odd thing to do. When we go on trips, we, we all take money with us. But Jesus said, don't take any money with you. Why? Because these men needed to learn an important lesson, needed to learn to trust him to provide for their physical needs. Eventually, he would not be around them physically, and they needed to learn that they could depend upon him to provide for all of their material needs. And the lesson was this. They needed to learn that the way that he would meet their needs was through the people that they ministered to. That, that's really the point of him saying this. The people you minister to, they are to provide for you. That's how I will meet your needs. And that's why in verse 7 of Luke chapter 10, Jesus said these now well-known verses. He said, the laborer is worthy of his wages. In other words, those who labor in teaching, ministering God's word, are to be given wages for their work. By whom? By those who have received their ministry. That's what he's saying. That is to say, God meets the needs of ministers through his people, the ones who have been ministered to. It's really too bad that so many churches want to pay their pastors as little as they can get away with. A good pastor is highly important, and we should be happy to compensate him for the valuable and even eternal contributions he makes to our lives. Pastor Steve will continue on that topic when we meet again. You've been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff. He's the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Stop in some Sunday if you're in town and looking for a place to worship. 
The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road. For more information, call 727-441-1714 or go online to lakesidechapel.com. If you'd like to catch up on previous broadcasts, they're all freely available on the Message Archive page at firstbyverseradio.org. Stream or download anything you'd like to hear, and there's a free podcasting service available for your convenience. If the Lord's been blessing you through Verse by Verse and you'd like to help us with airtime and production costs, it's safe and easy on our giving page. Or you can call Lakeside at 727-441-1714. That web address again is versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. I once heard of a circus strongman who challenged people in the audience to try to squeeze more juice out of an orange than he could get out of it. No one did until one day a small elderly man managed to squeeze out just one more drop after the strongman thought he had wrung out all of the juice. When the amazed strongman asked the old man how he did it, the old gent informed him that he used to be a church treasurer. (laughs) Next time on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will explain why the spiritual Christian is never a stingy Christian. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse by Faith Talk 570. W. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.